Faith, hope, and love. This is something that we talk about today as we read the shortest book in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's called Obadiah. And this is fascinating. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Jan. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And we continue in the book of the 12 in five minutes talking about Obadiah. Corey and Ryan are here first. Corey, what's going on? Well, the prophet Obadiah talks a lot about the nation of Edom, so so will we. Ryan? All right, well, today I'm profiling Job's friend Eliphaz. Why? Well, because Obadiah prophesies about a place in Edom called Teman, which is exactly where Eliphaz was from. All right, very good. Look forward to that. That's coming up in 20 minutes time. In 25 minutes, Janice, what are you doing? Today, again, back to school days we're in right now. So special prayer for all of those involved in school. All right, so stay there. Open up your Bible, open up your Bible guide, and let's listen to God. Obadiah 10 through 18. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions." The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Obadiah verses 10 through 18. Twenty-one verses, that's all we have to uh, read today. A short passage for this day, but it's interesting. Obadiah is a great man. It's the shortest book that he wrote in the Old Testament, the book of the Twelve, yet it carries a very strong message. 
Remember that God's words to the prophets do not have to be long to convey their weight. The nation of Edom or the Edomites were descendants of Esau, Jacob's twin brother. Details are given in Genesis 25 through Genesis 28 and 9 about the two lives of the two brothers. Since becoming a formed nation, Israel's history had been plagued with the mocking and aggression of Edom. Obadiah revisits the mistreatment of Edom against the brother Israel and speaks of the coming certain judgment of God on the ancient nation. The last book or the last verse in the book of Obadiah ends this way. Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. That's verse 21. The judgment of God comes from Mount Zion to Edom. Zion is the place where God will return. It's important for us to know that no matter what it seems like or what others can get away with, all nations and peoples will be judged for everything we have done right and wrong. Now, that's why I suggest to you that it is best if you invite Jesus Christ into your life as Lord of your life so you don't get caught in a bad situation because it's very different when you are caught in the situation and you don't have Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says on I Believe the Bible. Today, as we begin this particular passage, Faith, Hope, and Love, Obadiah 10 to 18, I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Take your Bible guide and turn to it. If you don't have one, call us or write to us. We'll send you a sample. If you want to go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and make a donation, thank you for your donations. You can get straight to the samples and download it. doesn't matter how much the donation is. We trust the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Father, help us today as we read Obadiah. Help us to hear what you've said to this nation of Esau. And thank you, Lord, because we need to hear it too. In Jesus' wonderful name, help us to read from your word, not into it. And we said together, amen and amen. Obadiah 10 through 12 says this. For violence against your brother, Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Which brings me to the first point. The attitude of rejoicing over God's judgment on Judah was a problem for Edom. Listen carefully. As Christians, we must be ready to give mercy, not judgment. You know, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people who are ready to give judgment. I'm going to judge that guy. He did this. Hold on a minute. We need to pay attention because we are commanded to bring the mercy of the Lord to this place that we live called the earth. So we must give mercy, beloved. That's really, really important. Now, let's go on to the scripture and understand this. 
Obadiah 13 to 14, you should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should have not stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. Shouldn't have done that. It is wrong to look forward to our own gain, though someone else's failure or through someone else's failure. Beloved, as Christians, we must be ready to love and not hate. You know, I know people and they say, well, this person's getting a divorce, so I got the price at half. It's not good that we rejoice in the divorce of the person. We shouldn't rejoice in that. We should pray for the people because a divorce is horrible. It's horrible. And, and, and we need to pay attention to that because we don't need to celebrate when somebody has wrong done to them. Beloved, that's really, really important for us to listen to. So as we come to this, we need to, readjust our thinking somewhat and listen, take from what the Lord has said to Edom, it's to us. That's what we need to think about and that's what we need to do. All right, let's go back to the scripture because it's good. Obadiah 15 to 18. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink. Now listen carefully to this. Continually, yes, they shall drink and shall swallow. They shall be as though they had never been. On Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. and There shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be fire. And the house of Joseph aflame, but the house of Esau shall be stubble and they shall kindle them and devour them. And no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau for the Lord has spoken this, which brings me to the third point. The house of Esau had failed and diminished. However, God's people will be judged and delivered by the holiness of God. Let me, let me explain this to you. I want to make sure that I don't celebrate in somebody else's failure and I don't celebrate in somebody else's demise, but I pray for everybody I can, even my enemies. And that's very hard, but we need to do that. We, we need to look at our enemies and say, okay, Lord, there are enemies, but we need to have a mind change. Help us to understand that we don't do anything to harm people, but we do everything to help them in this time. And this is very important for us because as Christians who follow Christ, ask yourself this question. What did Jesus Christ do to harm anybody? The people who were beating him at the end in his trial, did he strike them back? The ones who slapped him and the ones who hit him and the ones who put the thorn up, the, the crown of thorns on his head and all of that, he didn't do anything. Beloved, this is very important. If we are Christians, Christ followers, we need to follow Christ. And more and more people are being persecuted. But today, as we lead the example in following Christ, may God help us. God, we pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to help us to become people 
that holds you front and center, help us become people who look at you and not everybody else, and help us to do good and help us to do right. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen and amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, it's time now to continue on with our Bible study, and today's reading is the short but very awesome book of Obadiah. Now, Obadiah prophesies about the land of Esau called Edom, and Esau was the twin brother of the patriarch Jacob. But what's interesting is that not only does Obadiah prophesy over Edom, but also over a place within Edom known as Teman. And Teman is where Job's friend Eliphaz hailed from. As a matter of fact, most biblical scholars believe that the setting of Job takes place in Edom. So today, you and I are going to profile Eliphaz. And not just Eliphaz, but also his two companions, Bildad and Zophar. Let's revisit these ancient biblical figures. When the shocking news reaches them that their friend Job, a man once extraordinarily blessed of God, has now lost everything, they make an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. Each comes from his own land, but when they arrive, they do not recognize Job. So they sit in silence and mourn with him an entire week, which was the only wise thing they did. Indeed, Eliphaz is the first to speak. He hailed from the land of Teman, which was probably located in Jordan. Though it was a region famed for wisdom, Eliphaz was certainly not wise. He accuses Job of being sinful, because in my experience, he says, only those who sow evil reap it back. Next to speak is Bildad, who also believes there must be sin in Job's life. Regarding Job's children, he claims, if your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. Perhaps this hurt Job most, since Job chapter 1 verses 4 to 5 indicates that he was in fact concerned for his children. As one Bible commentator observes, it appears Job's children were partiers. They're rich kids who know how to have a good time, always including their fun-loving sisters. Job is concerned about their behavior, fearing that amid their good times, they might be blaspheming God. So after every party, he arises in the morning and prepares a sacrifice of atonement for each child. This, he hopes, will cover the transgressions they may have committed the previous night. Last to speak is Zophar, who, like Eliphaz and Bildad, is more of an accuser than a comforter. In fact, Zophar was perhaps the most insensitive of all. Is a person proved innocent just by talking a lot, Zophar demanded? Listen, God is doubtless punishing you far less than you deserve. Fortunately, Job was wiser than them all. I have heard many such things, he replies. Miserable comforters are you all. Shall words of wind have an end? Author Barbara Brown Taylor echoes Job's sentiments. In their ministerial anxiety, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are like flies buzzing around him on his dung heap. If they would just shut up, they are in his way. They are in God's way. They are trying to insert themselves between the silence of God and the one for whom the silence is intended. 
Indeed, in the end, God restores righteous Job, but rebukes the three men for misrepresenting him with all of their opinionated blather and phony righteousness. In an ironic twist, these men came to save Job, but it would be Job that would save them. For their sins, God commands the three men to make sacrifice unto him and to have Job pray for them. For I will accept Job, God says, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, along with his two companions, thought that they were being wise with their advice, but really, it was only wise in their own eyes. They came to save Job, but it was Job who ended up saving them because the Lord became angry with them. Now, this is a good reminder for all Christians as we minister to one another to do as the Apostle Paul says, and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. That that really is important. And Bildad, Zophar, and uh, of course Eliphaz, these are uh, important figures. And remember, when they first came to Job and they saw him, uh, they couldn't talk for seven days. It mm -hmm. was so stunning what had happened yeah. to Job. So. Thank you, Ryan. Very, very good. Excellent, Corey. All right. Well, the prophet Obadiah's vision all had to do with the nation of Edom. So today, you and I are going to go back and look at some of the biblical history and world history of the nation of Edom. The first mention of Edom in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 36, which contains the family history of Esau. As Esau and his brother Jacob grew their households and business interests, Esau moved away to allow more growth for the both of them. Esau traveled to the land of Seir and mixed with some of the people living there, and the nation of Edom was born. Unfortunately, the continued history of Edom and Israel was not peaceful. Crossing paths again generations later, recorded in Numbers chapter 20, the newly emancipated nation of Israel asked for passage through the land of Edom, but Edom rejected their request and added on a threat of warfare. The hostility lasted. Both King Saul and King David of Israel are said to have waged war against the Edomites. And there are mentions of Edom in several of the Old Testament books of the prophets. Outside of the Bible, there is now plenty of evidence that not only establishes Edomite culture, but also illuminates their hostility towards and continued warfare against Judah. Even from the archaeology of Judah itself, this hostility has been found. From excavations of the Judean military outpost of Arad, a Hebrew ostracon, or writing on pottery, has been found from the late 7th century BC. It's a message that urges more Judean troops be sent to protect settlements against Edom. A comparable Edomite ostracon has also been found. It records information about grain, but the point of importance is that it was found in a captured Judean fortress, evidence of Edom's invasion. This hostility makes sense given the time. Assyria had destroyed northern Israel, and the ever-growing threat of Babylon was priority one for the kingdom of Judah. Judah was distracted, and her enemies made good use of it. This also helps to explain another feature of the land. Around this time, many new Judean military outposts were built. It appears that this was a response to an aggressive Edom. 
So there we go, a very interesting nation with a diverse history, really, when it comes to interacting with Israel and Judah. Yeah, it's really true. And Edom is fascinating when you look at it from the historical point of view. And, it, you know, it's gone. And uh, when you understand that God judges and that's it, it's the final, you know, God doesn't lie and he doesn't change his mind. I mean, when it happens, it happens. Very good. That's excellent. Janice? Well, you know, we are praying ahead. As we're taping today, this program that you're watching on September the 6th, for many, the first day back to school, this is actually July the 29th. So we are going to be praying ahead because, you know, God is timeless. So our prayers are timeless as well because this will be the beginning of a new school year for many people. So today we're going to focus in and we're going to pray for families. We're going to pray for teachers. We're going to pray for students because this is going to be a new year with new challenges. And of course, you know, over the last couple of years, there have been many challenges on all fronts to families, to students, to teachers, and, and it was rough. So we're going to pray ahead. We're going to ask for God's protection. And you know, I just want to acknowledge here, uh, Corey, uh, you're Emerson. He's going to be starting senior kindergarten this year. So that means every day. Full time. Full time. No. And as we're taping today, we would have passed your actual due date yes. for your third baby. This will be, that would have been September the 4th. So yep. we don't know. So thank you for your prayers <laughs> at home. And we'll give you we're updates. We're taping this on the 29th. Of July. Of July. That's right. Yes. And uh, Ryan, your oldest boy, Oliver, he will be unbelievably starting in grade I know. It's amazing. I remember when I was in grade two. Uh, right? <laughs> I, and it just seems like yesterday. It, yeah, it, it does. It really, truly does. And he is so excited to Yeah, go he back. is. He's, he was, he loves school. Isn't that great? Yeah. So we pray that that stays too. Yeah, that, that and, sure. and actually Emerson really enjoys it as well. He does. He? Yeah, he does. Yeah. A big change though. And this will be new challenges too, because mm-hmm. last year it was only two days a week. Yeah. And now it's going to be five days a week. And Oliver will be having new challenges with new things to learn. He did really well with his reading last year. And just like our children and our grandchildren that are going back, and maybe it's not senior kindergarten or grade two, maybe it's the beginning of high school. Maybe you're leaving home. Your your baby has left home now to go to university or college, and you're feeling that tugging at your heart. Well, we just want to blanket all of you today in our prayers ahead for for, for this year to come. Uh, thank you for our teachers. Thank you so much for the calling on your life and whether that means that you go to work, whether it's a Christian school or a public school system, whether you're a mom or a dad at home, being a, a teacher there in your home, just as as important, just as, as prayer needed. If you're that student that might feel apprehension or whatever the case, we just want to blanket you in prayer today. And so Rod, would you be, um, have the privilege to be able to lead us in prayer here today and at home so that we can pray together for all of these needs for a brand new year. Families, families, teachers, mm-hmm. and students. students. And uh, let me just say that that I did not like school. And uh, you know what? As you were saying that, I thought I, I have focused in on the ones that are excited, but there are some that are filled with anxiety and, and exactly. they're not looking forward to going back. And so. But 
the thing is that, them too. that I, I, I had C's and D's and my dad finally said to me, uh, why don't you try the Christian school? So they put me in a Christian school and in one less than one year, in, in three months, my grades went to A's and B's because I loved the Christian school. And so that was in grade 10. And so that was excellent. So we're going to pray for students. We're going to pray for your kids. We're going to pray for that the Lord would, because we're coming after this pandemic and everything else has happened. Wherever you are in Africa, wherever you are in Asia, wherever you are in Europe, wherever you are in America, wherever you're in Canada, South America, wherever you are, let's agree together as a gigantic prayer host for all of this. Father, we pray for the families with children. Now you said, Lord, that your kingdom is made up of people like children, and that's me. And the children remind us of the simplicity of understanding God. And we pray, Lord, you know, we're not going to figure out who God is, but Lord, it's our heart that changes. We pray that the children's hearts be well taken care of by your Holy Spirit. We pray that your Holy Spirit would grab their hearts and help them, Lord. We pray for the families, touch the families, the fathers and the mothers and everything happening. We pray, Lord, for the teachers. This is really important because the teacher is stepping in here and teaching the children. Give them wisdom and give them understanding, Lord, in the Christian schools and all of that. And then, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name, we just pray for everybody. We ask that you would lay your hand on everybody. Now, we, we haven't done this before, but we pray, Lord, for our educational systems around the world, that you would help the Christians to, to be different than everybody else, that we would be the people who supply and who help people and uh, that make us... Make us follow you, Lord. Help us to follow you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for that great provision and help us, Lord. And we pray for all of the mental health situations as well. Help us to lead in that and help us to, in Holy Spirit, come into our hearts and our minds and resolve things. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, amen. You know, I'd like to encourage you as we come to this prayer time today, we need to pray. I, I need to pray. And if you want to pray with me, please do so. Father, I pray today that you would help me to become the kind of person that I should be as a Christian, somebody who follows Jesus Christ. Help me to do the right thing all the time. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to shift my thinking as we get closer and closer to the end of time. Help us to live for you in Jesus' wonderful name. And this is what we say. Amen.